Welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word, the podcast that empowers you to say fuck being fine. Tired of being stuck in a place where you say everything's fine, when it's really not fine at all? You're not alone. I'm your host, Lori Seitz. I've been there too, and so have my guests. Here's a secret. All it takes is a conscious decision to change and then restructure beliefs so your actions take you in the right direction. That's where fine is a four-letter word comes in. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories from people who have transformed their lives and businesses and practical tips and takeaways to move you from spinning in place to forward action so you can create a life of joy. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. Hey there, you're in for a treat today as I host the awe-inspiring Dr. Wendy LeBourne. She's an expert on voice and communication, which is why Fortune 100 CEOs and Grammy award-winning artists trust her to assess and optimize their voices in high-pressure communication and performance situations. Married for 27 years, in her spare time, Wendy is a triathlon Sherpa and cheerleader for her sons. Her happy place is anywhere that involves sand, sun, and salt water. When the company she worked for changed leadership and she no longer felt morally or ethically aligned, she struggled with the decision to leave because it was a comfortable, high-paying job. The pandemic forced her hand and she found herself unemployed and struggling with a massive identity shift. During this time, she leaned on the tight-knit community of her Bible study group. As we discuss, community is the heart of communication. You'll also hear about the history of communication, how women and men use language differently, and how living in an era where online connections prevail is making us more disconnected than ever. You know, you can go to zenrabbit.com to get your copy of The Short Guide to Working Less and Living Better, also known as The Five Easy Ways to Start Living a Sabbatical Life. You may also be interested in a brand new program called Staying Calm in Chaos. It's 10 short, easily digestible audio sessions that walk you through how to go from being an overwhelmed high achiever to a calm, grounded, and centered person who has peace of mind no matter what. And you'll still be a high achiever. Comes with some awesome meditations, and there's a bunch of other cool stuff to go with it. Check that out at stayingcalminchaos.com. Hello and welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My guest today is Wendy LeBourne. Welcome to the show, Wendy. Thank you so much for having me, Lori. It is a pleasure to be here. I am excited to get into this conversation. And as we were talking before I turned on record, I was saying that people are interested in how I meet my guests. And so just going to throw this out there right at the beginning so I don't forget in that you and I were introduced by Mike Sackmary. And Mike was a guest, a previous guest on this, this show. He was episode 62, also known as season two, episode 26, because we renumbered and we stopped doing seasons. This might be news to my listeners now because <laughs> the first time I'm mentioning it, but we we're, we just started, we went back and renumbered from one to 
I think you're episode 96 or 97. Well, check, check the numbers when it publishes. And uh, yeah, anyway, many thanks to Mike for introducing us. Yes, absolutely. And he, he and I met, I think he had, he had seen my TED talk and reached out and I was like, sure, I'll be on your podcast. And then it just, it grew from there. I think this idea of networking with people is, is so amazing. I, that's been one of my favorite things is meeting new people from so many, many walks of life. It just makes the world interesting and exciting. Yes. And it's, it's fun. Like we talk a lot about how this experience of life, what, what is life? Like what's the meaning of life? And, and we can get into that more later too, but the whole idea for me is is that it's an experience and that we're here to have fun. And I'm always truly amazed at the amount of connections that you have with people that you really actually don't know. Like you and I, in our pre-conversation, you're in the DC area. I was born in DC. Like that, you know, just there's all of these connections that we never met each other before. And then boom, and we can continue to create community around conversation and, and what we do. And I think, I think that is really cool. It, it is. It definitely is. So speaking of creating community, because that's something that you do really well too. How did you, like, what were the values and beliefs that you were raised with? And was, was there something about that, that in your um, growing up years that contributed to your ability to do this now? I think probably one of the biggest thing that was instilled in me from the time I was little, and part of it might be of my personality, um, but just this, I have just an internal drive to be the best that I can be. And that was kind of instilled in, in me by my parents as well. It's like, whether you are a ditch digger, whether you're a, 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 you know, a neurosurgeon, your goal is to be the best you that you can be in whatever that is. You work your hardest. Some days are good. Some days are not good. But if you have left it all on the field, so to speak, I think that that was huge for me. And um, that allows for no, I would say no regrets. I mean, I think there's always things we can change in what we do. Could we have done it differently? Would it have made a different outcome? But in that moment of time and whatever moment of time it is, do you do the best job and are authentic to who you are and what you do? And, and that, that has really been something that was instilled in me. And hopefully I ins- have instilled in my children yeah. as they, you know, my son actually graduated from high school this weekend and you're like, <gasps> did you do enough? Is it, is he ready to spread his wings and go in the world? So. Yeah. Well, I, you know, you do the best you can with the tools you have at the time. Yeah. And I, I really believe and I say this to myself as well as to everybody who's listening, <laughs> that we, the, the regrets part is like, you can't go back and change anything. Everything has worked out exactly as it was supposed to. I believe that. And moving forward, holding on to this idea that there are no wrong choices. There are no wrong decisions. I love that. Yeah. Whatever, whatever and, you decide will be the right thing. And it is what it is in that moment of time. And it will guide a path forward. And I, you know, I've had a lot of change in my professional life in the last couple of years. And 
what has been really interesting for me is to look at, again, all of these threads throughout my life that you don't recognize in the moment of time, but that actually kind of come full circle in some capacity or someone you've met or, oh my gosh, do you have this connection to be able to move this forward? And I don't think you can see that until hindsight. So regrets, good and bad, um, but also learning from experiences. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't always say learning from mistakes because sometimes you learn good things from bad experiences and bad things from good experiences. It can be yeah. flip side. Yeah. You mentioned being the best you that you can be. Mm-hmm. And it, first, first it brings up, wasn't there like some Dr. Seuss story that was about I that? I know. The, oh, the places you will go. That's, that's what's in the, in the, in the forefront of my brain at the moment, yeah. but I it's a book. Yeah. There, yeah. I, it sounds like a Dr. Seuss theme, but the other thing it brought up for me was there was a movie and I just looked it up cause I don't have the year off the top of my head, but it was, uh, it came out in 2006 called you, me and Dupree and Owen Wilson. <laughs> was one of the main characters. It was Owen Wilson, Matt Dillon, Kate Hudson, Seth Rogen was in it, Michael Douglas. But Owen Wilson's character is like this total slacker who lives with his friends, like sleeps on their couch, and then decides yes. he wants to become a motivational speaker. And he talks the <laughs> so it's crazy, stupid movie, but it's funny. But he talks in there at the very end when he's doing his presentation about you-ness, like being exactly about being who you are and your you-ness. I think that that's so important, but I also think we all have to recognize that hopefully you change and grow over time. And so I think where people get stuck sometimes self-included is, uh, am I my same self at whatever age I am, which we're not going to talk about as I was 10 (laughs) years ago, as I was 10 years before that. Right. And so where, if uh, there's a, uh, one of my friends, um, here and he is a wonderful author. Um, Todd Henry has a book called die empty. And it is about like, if you are not growing, you're dying. Right. So what Mm -hmm. does that look like? It's, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful book, but just at the end of your life, like, have you done all of the things to fulfill what you're supposed to fulfill in this moment of time? Yeah. I don't know if you could actually reach that point. Like to be like, I've done everything possible that I wanted to, was here for, even if you are 150. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know the timeline, right. On, on what it is. So I think in that moment of living the best life you can in each and every moment, um, in this crazy fast forward world, you know, as you were like YouTube and this and that and whatever, right. All of these things. I think it becomes so challenging at times to be, to maintain presence in the moment, mm-hmm. you know, as I get older to maintain that presence in the moment versus either thinking about what's coming or living in the past, right? What right. is happening now? It's such a human thing. Like mm-hmm. that's what we do because we have that capability. Absolutely. Like, if you look at a cat or a dog, they probably aren't doing that because I don't know as smart as my cats have been. Do they have that cognitive ability? 
And are they better off without it? Like <laughs> there's are there are arguments that could be had that they are better off without that ability. Yes. There's a what do we say to our youngest son? We um, you know, if he's playing a, playing like baseball or whatever, we're like, you gotta have the memory of a goldfish, dude. Mm-hmm. Like you have to, it's done, it's over. Like memory of a goldfish, it, it's done, it's over. We're in the next moment. Um, because yeah. you know. Those are things we learn over time, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, for sure. So um, because the show is called Fine is a Four-Letter Word, tell tell me about the time or a time, because some many of us have more than one time, um, that you were in a stuck in a place where you said everything was fine, but it wasn't fine at all. Yeah, I mean, I think probably in, um, you know, I saw, I call it BC before COVID and then after COVID, right? But, um, you know, I I was living in this very, very comfy life and, you know, went from my you know, undergrad, master's, PhD, great job, great family, great marriage, the all of the things. And then you know, the company that I worked for had changed some leadership. And I knew that I was not probably morally or ethically aligned with some of the Mm -hmm. leadership in that company, but I wasn't really willing to change or modify because it was, I mean, I actually love what I do and still do. Um, but I knew that that was probably maybe not the best fit in that moment. And it became very, very evident, um, as the pandemic uh, progressed. Um, I was in a healthcare situation and it was, it was very challenging and ended up making a pivot that I probably, I was a super uncomfortable making because I went from a very, very comfortable six figure job to zero in Mm. two weeks, essentially. And so figuring that out, like, but that was probably the best move I've ever made in my life. So, yeah. Did you make that choice yourself or was that choice made for you in terms of a layoff or something like that? It was essentially made for me. Yeah. Okay. Which uh, as, um, as, as, uh, as somebody who was kind of the head of household financially from a, from that standpoint, it was, it was huge. It was, Mm -hmm. and as someone who's incredibly, I think there's a lot of women and probably a lot of men, but that my identity is very much wrapped up in my career. Um, that was not just a shift in career. It was, who am I? What do I do now? What, what am I? Like it it was, it was a very, very massive shift. Yeah. That makes complete sense. Were you but you had been thinking, like you already knew, you mentioned that you weren't aligned at all. I, I knew so, that and- I wasn't aligned. And I have always had, what's the next goal? What's the next thing? And I had been at, with this company for close to 25 years. Mm-hmm. And um, I had, I'm not sure where I was going to, where my next goal was. So, I mean, I'm an author, I'm doing lectures outside of there, like all of the things. Um, and it had been, it would have been a great, great, great situation. And then went in a very not great direction. So, yeah. Right. But you were, you were saying that you were kind of out of alignment with their values and their morals. And so you knew you couldn't stay there, but you were afraid to make the move. 
And right. so the universe, as often happens, <laughs> did it for you. He said, I am shutting this door for you. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you for playing. Um, <laughs> yes. And I am so fortunate and blessed to have a, a community around me as an individual that live outside of that world to be able to provide some perspective saying, this is not healthy. You can't stay in this situation. Um, situation. So, yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that community. How, what it, how did it come to be? How did you build that? Oh my gosh. So there's a couple different arms of this. Like I have this powerhouse women Bible study that we would get up literally 6 a.m. on Friday mornings and meet. I'm not sure God was awake at 6 a.m., but we were all there <laughs> because these this this particular group of women um are all these high power like CEOs, attorneys, judges, physicians, like really, really amazing women that support each other. And um, one of the things I found even in my own profession is, and I don't know if this is just my profession or if it is across the board, but I have found that I generally align better with women who are in similar uh, levels of leadership, but not in my direct field of study or field of work um, versus just having people, because we are all kind of competing for the same jobs, if you will, if you're all in the same field. So mm -hmm. everybody's had very similar experiences, but in different sectors. So it was really beneficial. And just constantly having that support, knowing that what was said in the room would stay in the room regardless of who it was. So it was a very safe space and just knowing that somebody had your back. And then I have this community of great friends that were just, that were just there for me and still are there for me every day. And just, I, we are so lucky. So, so lucky friends and yeah, my faith for sure. I asked that question because I often hear from people, I was going to say women, but it's really all genders, especially when they reach uh, 40s and 50s, having difficulty finding new friends or making new connections yeah, and, and being able to build a community like that or a support system like that. And that's why I was curious where, how you, where yours came from. Yeah. And some of them are longstanding friends, like 20 plus year mm -hmm. friends. Um, but I will say that I am one of those people. I have a lot of acquaintances and very few close friendships and those close friendships are huge. Um, I do think it's challenging, um, to kind of network and meet new people, but going back, my work was also my family, right? Mm -hmm. So when that was like having a divorce that you didn't actually ask for or want, and then nobody sees each other anymore. And you're like, oh my gosh, how does this work? What am I going to do? Um, so having to put myself out there with friends, I started going to some networking groups eventually after the pandemic kind of did its thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, cause I don't think that social media is they are acquaintances for the most part, right? Like yeah, what yeah. people know of me on social media is a digital footprint. Allow me a quick moment to thank you for tuning in to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. 
If you're enjoying the show, please take a second to hit the follow button so you don't miss an episode. And if you haven't already, I'd love it if you would leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Your feedback helps the show reach more listeners like you. Fine is a four-letter word is available on all major podcasting platforms. So no matter where you listen, you can stay up to date with the latest episodes. Now let's get back into the conversation. Right, right. Social media, people think they have connections and you have, you are connected to people. That doesn't mean you know them. And right. that's part of the challenge of living in the, the day and age that we do is that so many people are, have so many connections online, but are at home by themselves lonely because those aren't yep. true friendships and deep connections. Yeah. And I will say in the last probably six to 12 months, I've really uh, cut back on my social media consumption and posting Same. Um, because it's exhausting. Like mm-hmm. it's mentally exhausting. Um, all of the things I, I am ready. I am a people person and I love Zoom and I love the ability that we've gotten to do this, but I need to actually be with people in person yeah. because to me, that is part of community. Right. And we've talked about this before on the show about the difference between virtual connections and in-person connections. And there's an energetic, I mean, energy is ubiquitous. It doesn't matter where you are. You can feel someone's energy. However, it is different when you are in a room with somebody versus when you are, you know, in a virtual room with somebody. A hundred percent. And so as a, as a voice pathologist and as somebody who does hands-on work with patients Mm -hmm. and clients, um, that is one of the things that I can do a lot of therapy via telehealth, that human touch, that ability to create physical connection, number one, and also um, without getting like too woo woo on the situation, but I, I'm trying to go with woo woo, right? I'm trained in myofascial release and some craniosacral work, but that requires actual touch and mm-hmm. energy, um, in some capacity to feel the tissue under your skin to know, okay, there is an area of restriction in their muscle or there's muscle tension. I can't do that virtually. Right. Um, and so, I think that ability for sure is super duper important. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, we we're talking, we're talking here about community and I had a note written down from our original, our first conversation with, I have a note and it has a star next to it. And that is that the root of communication is community. It is. So the Latin root, um, the root word of communication is like communis, I-S, at the end. And that actually means community. And you cannot do that in isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and it requires, honestly, people being together. It, it is not ever meant, it was not ever meant to be uh, in a virtual situation. Yeah, right. Because think about how many years we have been living as humans in community without virtual, like this virtual thing is only maybe the, maybe the last 10 years. 
Right. Right. Um, and even things such as I will almost rather have a phone conversation at times because um, we pick up more uh, emotional cues without visual input than we do by having visual and audio combined. Um, we can tell the only people that can effectively lie um, verbally that we can't tell in their voices as a voice, as somebody who assesses voices, right? Yeah. This is yeah. my world. It are sociopaths and trained FBI agents who can do that. Um, the rest of us are able to actually pick up cues of emotion, sadness, grief, a happiness, lying, um, by listening to the sound of somebody's voice. Cause it's hardwired from the brain. So it's very interesting. Um, and just in communication, women's goals of communication historically, I mean, I'm talking back to caveman times, um, hunter gatherers, the, the goal of communication for women was to create a relationship or to create community. The goal of communication in men is actually, they use words to, in language to get a job done. Mm -hmm. So even back to caveman times, cave people times, that's actually the role of communication. Wow. Uh, that's so interesting about the audio piece without video. Like yes. I, there's, there have been many times that I would rather have a phone conversation and I never knew that that's probably why. Like it's just, it's it. easier. A it lot of times easy. it's just easier. Let's just go old school phone. And often people are like, yeah, let's do that. I'm tired of being on zoom and it's a better conversation. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I don't have the study name off the top of my head, but there was a study that they, that, that they did. And I, I can send it to you later just so if somebody wants to look at it, they can. Yeah. We can put it in show notes. Um, right. So they basically took a couple of groups. They had one that was doing verbal, uh, verbal only conversation, one that was verbal and visual and one that was in complete darkness and you only had auditory cues. Um, the listeners and watchers picked up the correct emotional context most accurately with auditory only. Hmm. Interesting. Yep. Interesting. So how did you, you talked about your, your communities helping support you when you were in the transit transitory <laughs> place of moving from, from that, uh, job you'd been at for 20 something years to yep. where you are now. What are the other tools? What other tools did you use and how did you find your way? Especially given what you mentioned earlier, and I can completely relate to this, that that job was your identity. Right. Um, uh, you know, for anybody out there that's gone through a pretty massive transition, I think it's okay to not be okay. I think that was one of the huge things that I had to learn. Um, I am a super stubborn, strong, headstrong person who's crazy driven. So that was, that was a moment to take That pretty back much describes go, everyone who's listening. So yeah. Okay, good. I'm, so I'm not alone in the world in no. this. But I will say that it was a good, I'm not going to lie, six months to a year easily, um, because it was happening during the pandemic. So it was like 
no normal life anyway right. in the midst of all of this crazy, um, which I think has happened to so many people, mm-hmm. right? And especially that. So uh, there was some healing time um, for sure. So there was a lot of self-reflection. I did a lot of journaling. I pretty much meditated and still do every day. Um, that was not something I did on the regular basis prior to all of this. I would do it occasionally as needed. Yep. This became a part of my life every day. Um, I had to learn to be quiet, to listen, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so that was a skill that I worked, I work and continue to work hard to build in listening, but I don't know. I hopefully some of your listeners out here can uh, uh, relate to this, but my mind goes like a hundred miles a minute and meditating for five minutes and just being quiet is hard for me um, because I say I have monkey mind. It just goes constantly. Um, But in order to find kind of this path forward, um, really being able to find quiet, to be able to listen and make that happen and then create a plan. Um, I work with a coach um, who has been really helpful in my world and she's been amazing and had interestingly a very similar experience in her professional career. Um, And so learning from that and that has been huge in my life. And my husband has been a huge support. Um, We, it's crazy because during, again, I think this is normal, right? You have pandemic happens. Mom's trying to do, you know, run a, run a business from home in healthcare, migrating everything. My husband happens to be a music educator who is a percussionist. So we are now doing marching band online in the other room. (laughs) Wow. I've got a seventh grade, a sixth grader at the time, fifth and sixth grader who needs direction as we're trying to learn because you can't just put a fifth grader in front of a computer for eight hours and hope that it all goes well. Mm-hmm. And I've got a high schooler who is trying to learn online. So it was all of those things where we just said, what is happening? And so that took a lot of transition. Um, yeah. But meditation... Yeah was vital to even start my day because that could not happen without some quiet before and after. Absolutely. I think it's interesting to note that you mentioned turning to meditation in a time of kind of a crisis. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how a lot of us come to it. My listeners probably have heard me tell the story of how I was introduced to meditation when I was 10 years old. My mom took my brother and me to a meditation course. But then I didn't practice it regularly for 40 something years. And it wasn't until after my mom passed and I shut down my first business and was asking the same question of like, well, who am I now that I don't have that business? That's when I turned back to it as on a regular basis. And, but years before that, I had a friend who was going through a divorce and I'm like, you know, meditation might be something that could help you. And so she started doing it, but I wasn't doing it. I just recommended it to her. <laughs> so yeah. it becomes, you know, again, it's when you're ready, the the right resources and teachers show up. But it's interesting that that's, that's when people most come to it. 
is, is during that time. And I also wanted to mention, because you said you have a hard time sitting still, that there are active meditations. You don't yes. have to sit still quietly. Yes. It is a good thing for my brain to try to, and not just the sitting, but just, I, for me, I try to make a difference between uh, meditation, mindfulness, and manifestation. Mm-hmm. For me, like mindfulness is that is easier for me to do in motion. Um, meditation, I do try to park my butt in a chair. <laughs> I have my meditation chair and I try to sit there and be quiet. Don't disturb me. Um, but yes. Um, so much so that I actually, um, because I teach at a university, I was allowed to take X number of graduate. I, like I need an, uh, I don't want to go back to school or, you know, I want to continue to be a lifelong learner, but I don't yes. think I need another degree. At this point <laughs> um, but they have a graduate certification in integrative medicine and integrative wellness from the medical school. And so I was like, all right. So I actually took a mindfulness course, um, through the med school. Um, I've taken uh, traditional Chinese medicine. I love, I think acupuncture is really cool. I love, I think our bodies have an amazing way of healing themselves. Absolutely. I think our brain, I think we, yeah, I think the foods we eat, the things we eat and drink, all of those things as I grow like my lemon balm in my backyard, like all of the things I, it's fascinating to me. Um, the chemistry that can exist in this world. Yeah, it really is fascinating how how strong our minds are in terms of controlling our physical wellness. Yes. And again, this is knowledge that's been used by humans for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And then somehow in the past, I don't know, 100 or two, we kind of forgot about it or we thought we knew better. Like we've evolved to know better, but it still, yes, there's, there are places for, what do you call it now? Um, like Western medicine. Well, yeah, I think that there's gotta be that marrying between preventative wellness and crisis management, right? Like in, in, in Western society, we often live in crisis management and do not get me wrong. Like I, if I'm in a car accident, if I have cancer, if I have those things, I want traditional Western medicine. But I do think that we can do a lot for ourselves mentally, physically, emotionally to support well-being, to minimize the tipping point into being unhealthy. Because I, you know, again, my, my life has been evaluating and treating vocal injury all the way from like overuse to laryngeal cancers. Um, so that that's been a thing. Yeah. And now that you have gotten more into using those techniques, meditation and those things, are you bringing more of that into your practice than you ever have before? What's interesting is I, I had brought it into my practice a long time ago. Um, I was trained in myofascial release probably 10 to 12 years ago. So I've used hands-on for a long time. Um, Again, being super left-brained, I sort of want to know the why behind what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And so I think my more recent education, if you will, has been a deeper dive for myself. Um, And to continue to grow and learn, like the, the herbal supplements and the herbal stuff, that's it. Chemistry has always been interesting, but you know, 
How do you combine turmeric with lycopenes to get the most benefit? It's not just about green tea or turmeric. It's how are these things combined to create a positive chemistry? And just like with Western medicine, with every um, benefit, there is a risk. And Mm -hmm. that is the same thing in like herbs and herbal supplements. And I think it's really important that people actually know that too. So that's how I've kind of incorporated it because I live in a world of high level professional vocal athletes. So they'll come in and they'll have done like tea with honey and lemon or cayenne pepper in apple cider vinegar for acid reflux. I'm like, what made you think this was a good idea? Where did this come from? Because yes, some of these things may be beneficial. However, we know that this can actually burn your esophagus. So you doing that might not be your best choice, Mm. but, um, there, there are things it's really interesting. It is interesting. And it's interesting to me that you have this, this interest and are combining it with what you're Mm -hmm. doing to help your clients even more. Like it's a differentiating factor for you, I would think. Yeah. And I think if you're going to do it, let's do it in the healthiest, safest way possible. Again, no judgment, but like if you're going to smoke marijuana, what is the least detrimental way you can do that for your vocal cords? If you're a professional singer, Mm -hmm. is it potentially better to ingest it, doing it in a bong? Like if you're going to do it, let's talk about how to do it in the most healthful way. Cause I'm not, I can only give you choices. I'm not going to be there with you. So let me provide the choices for you that are going to exist. If you're going to choose to engage in this activity, just kind of like safe sex. It's like, right. You're going to do it. Here's a safer way to make it happen. Yeah, exactly. Educating, making, so they can make educated choices for themselves. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. My job is not to judge. It's to provide you with information to be able to make appropriate decisions for what's best for you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. This has been such a good conversation. Like I feel energized, but it was all good. I know, but it was, yeah, it went exactly where it was supposed to go. I, you know, I love it before, before we leave it, I have my two, my two questions, you know, my one last question of what, what you're all about music and vocals. And so I'm super curious to hear your answer to what your hype song is. So it depends on what I'm going in for, right? Like I told you, I was like, I have a whole Spotify playlist yes. of hype songs, right? Um, so th- I sent you a list of some. I would say um, one of my um, favorites is um, from, oh my gosh, Greatest Showman, which oh, yeah. is the one that I sent to you. This is me. Uh-huh. Um, I would encourage your listeners to watch the YouTube link potentially I sent you, which is in a rehearsal room of the, it's not the, it's not from the cast album. This is what happened in that rehearsal room. This is raw footage of that. And it is inspiring and moving. And so it, and I love the, the, you know, mixed and and edited version, but Mm -hmm. that version to me is huge. Um, I love Broken and Beautiful by Kelly Clarkson. Um, That is a great pump-up song. Um, And then 
Um, there's one from Zootopia that's also on there that I think I wrote. It's birds don't just fly, they fall down and get up again, which is always a super fun song too. <laughs> All right. I gotta go listen like, to that one because I'm not familiar. Um, yes. Cool. So, I have a plethora, like legit a two hour. <laughs> oh yeah. So do I. So do I. I, I know that that question for me is really difficult, but I love asking it of other people too, because right, when you're into music and you love all kinds of music genres and everything, yes. like being asked to pick one is virtually impossible, but it is interesting. It's an interesting yeah. exercise. A hundred percent. So yes, I have, I have lists for what I need in that moment of time. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. All right. And then lastly, if people want to continue this conversation with you, where's the best place for them to find you? Probably my website, which is www.drwendyvoice.com. There's a contact me form on there. So those come directly to me. I get to filter through those. So if you want to reach out to me, that's the best place you can find me. You can find me on Instagram at Dr. Wendy Voice um, and LinkedIn at Dr. Wendy Voice. So I'm there as well. Cool. And my, you, and my TED Talk, if you go watch it, yay. Yes. Um, All right. We'll put over a million views for me. Ah, awesome. Yeah. We'll put a link to all of that in the show notes to make it easy yep. for people to find you then. That would be awesome. Thank you. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me today on Find is a Four-Letter Word, Wendy. Lori, it has been my pleasure and you are so easy to talk to. Thank you. why I keep getting introduced to and connecting with people in Cincinnati. There have been several previous guests who live there, and next week's guest is there as well. It's crazy. And the funny thing is, they don't all know each other. But of course, I'm connecting them. And before you go getting any ideas, no, I have no intention of moving there. I think a lot of us can relate to Wendy's struggle with the massive identity shift. It rocks your world. and. You do live through it to become stronger. Here are the key takeaways. Number one, there are no wrong decisions. Even if things don't play out how you'd hoped or imagined, every decision you make guides you forward from one moment of time to the next. It's only looking back that you'll notice what decisions led you to where you are today. And you'll be surprised to see how many quote-unquote bad decisions worked out in your favor. Number two, change is scary. And when you're in drastic need of change, the universe has a way of forcing that change upon you. From that point, it's all about what you do with that opportunity. Number three, identify and embrace your you-ness. What makes you unique? And welcome how that changes over time. Number four, surround yourself with a community of people that lifts you up. When you're stuck in that place where things seem fine, where you may not notice anything wrong, those close to you will call you out on that illusion. Having people willing to say what they see is invaluable. Number five, in the modern digital age, you're probably connected to an endless number of people online. Yet, you can still feel disconnected and lonely. Consider cutting back on social media consumption and instead focus on in-person interactions and connections. 
Thanks for listening to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. If you've enjoyed the show, please follow and share it with a friend. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite platform to help others discover it too. You can find links to my socials on my website, zenrabbit.com. And before you go, take a moment to reflect on what you're grateful for today. Remember, you have the power to create a life you love, and I'm proud of you. Thanks for joining me. Take care.